0: Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French.
1: And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate
0: it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We
1: aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our Courageous Wellness. Hi guys, welcome to this
0: week's episode of Courageous Wellness. Today on the podcast, we speak with Joanna of the successful blog and Instagram, Keto in Canada. Joanna lost 60 pounds after finding the ketogenic diet and seeking support after a lifetime of emotional eating.
1: We cover what the ketogenic diet is, battling emotional eating, food addiction, and much more. We love talking to Joanna and are so excited for you to hear the
0: episode and learn more. Enjoy! Enjoy! So hi, Joanna, welcome uh, to the podcast this week. We're so happy to have you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um, So just to jump right in, I know you've had, you know, this incredible weight loss and journey with uh, the ketogenic diet, but you know, before you found a keto lifestyle, what was your relationship with your body and food and weight and all of that fun stuff?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I definitely grew up, I grew up like the skinny kid. I was always small, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, the boys liked to chase me, life was all good, um, until I hit about puberty, like I hit 12 years old, and um, I started to put on weight, and it became very evident to me. It was kind of the first time I ever really noticed my body or started paying attention to it, because... For, you know, most of my childhood, I was always just skinny and my weight was never anything I had to worry about. I could eat, like I eat mounds of candy all the time. We just had Halloween. So I'm like looking at my daughter who's candy obsessed. She's just like me and she's a little stick. Um, but then, so I would eat whatever I wanted do, whatever I want. I mean, I was quite active playing all the time. This was before the iPad generation and stuff. So I would live at the park and moving my body was something I was happy to do. Um, but one, yeah, when I hit, uh, was going in from grade six into grade seven that summer, I started to really start, um, packing on the ways and I think it was a lot of it was hormonal based Mm. and then of course my lifestyle from before all of a sudden the way I was eating wasn't being burnt off or it wasn't um, with the hormones from puberty it it just did not sit well with me so I started I think I went into grade seven at 135 pounds which probably most kids my age were at 105 Mm. or you know they weren't that big and I ha- I remember one one kid made a comment that like he's like oh you changed over the summer and I was mm-hmm. like oh thanks and he was like he didn't mean it in a positive way <laughs> yeah yeah and I was like oh and I think that was the first time and I remember the moment and I remember the kid I know his name I remember his face
0: yeah
2: and it's funny how you have these these moments where you're like oh, something's not right with me now. Like all of a sudden there was that self-conscious feeling that I'd never been aware of before. Mm -hmm. And it yeah, it was never an issue. So when I ended up going into junior high school, it was a matter of like, we it was a new school. The friends that I had before were kind of moving on. They were, you know, into doing things that I wasn't, like drinking and smoking. And I was leaning more on, well, I don't do those things. And so I wasn't really fitting in. So in order to sort of make myself feel better, you know, you wait for the bell at lunchtime and you're like, okay, I'm going to go get the french Mm. fries and I'm going to go get this and I'm going to feel good because this morning I didn't feel good because my friends have all kind of moved on and here I am, like, I'm overweight. I might as well, like, I don't fit here. It wasn't the same as how it always been growing up. Like, Mm. it always felt super popular. Like, I totally fit in and everyone wanted to be my friend. And then once the weight was an issue... It was like that was all that mattered to people was my size. And Mm. because my size was bigger, I didn't feel like I fit anymore. Mm. And so instead of recognizing a way to really work on that, I just really turned to food at that time. And so the weight became more and more to like when I graduated from high school in grade 12 at, you know, 18 years old, I was 185 pounds. So 50 pounds gained you know, between grade seven and grade 12. Mm -hmm. And, and during that time, like people were pretty nice to me, but I have a very few like clear memories of, there was one story I had where I stepped off the school bus in grade nine. I think it was my, I'd never had to take the bus before. And it was, I just moved and I got off the bus and this one kid again, still remember his face, still remember his name. He just pointed at me and said fat. Yeah. Like he labeled me the second I stepped off in grade nine off the bus and it was like okay yep whatever but at the time I remember being like you're such a jerk and like I didn't say anything to him but it it made me hang my head low yeah um, sure and then like you know when you're walking down the hallway and there's a group of boys coming towards you it's like you just sort of tense up like what is someone going to say to me about my weight Mm. in this moment like it was I was very much defined by my size it wasn't at all about who I was I remember being in drama class and like not really wanting to participate because I felt like embarrassed, like I wasn't free to be who I actually was because of my weight. It mm. was just so overwhelming to me and so defining.
1: Wow! Um, Isn't it amazing how was. those memories are seared into our sort of yeah, like existence? <laughs> I know.
2: It is weird. It is weird because those people aren't important, right? Yeah. And they're not in my life now, right? But it's like it. I think it's whenever you have a a major mental shift in how you define yourself. Yeah. um, Those situations, like it's hard. You can't, especially when you're an empathetic person. You feel, think very deeply. It's like my daughter. She never forgets anything. Mm. Because it, it, it could be five years ago when she was three years old. She still remembers certain events and things that impacted her. And I and I'm like, oh no, you were just like me. Like, I, yeah. I wish I could take it away from you and you would never have to, like, go back and revisit anything. But I mm-hmm. think it's sometimes who we are.
0: Yeah. It's so it's so interesting. I, I can relate so much to so much of what you're saying. I, I even remember, you know, just being that innocent child who didn't even know about weight or care about weight or, like, I wasn't in my body in that way because we were just children, you know, even in middle school. And then I remember these girls in PE talking about thigh gaps, like they were all talking about their thigh gaps. And that's when I was like, oh, I don't have a thigh gap. And then I was like, is this something like it was, I have this and I remember the names of the girls who were talking about thigh gaps and comparing their thigh gaps. And suddenly it's like, that's when life changed almost from childhood awareness your awareness yeah it's so it's just it's unbelievable it's so yeah yeah yeah. so then when were you actively trying to lose weight like what even because you felt this way but were you trying to change or did you just accept this was who you are what was your relationship with your body and yourself at that time or with fitness and diet
2: yeah, so I used to play basketball, so I was still athletic, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't very good. My mom tells me that <laughs> I thought it was so amazing, but she was like, "No, you weren't good at all." But um, I, I actually, I really desperately wanted to make the basketball team when I went into high school, and I, again, it's like all these horrible experiences. There was twelve girls left, and I was on that list, and they cut me off the team I was the 12th Mm. they wanted only 11 girls they cut me and not the other girls And I think that was like a turning point for me too like I felt like I was really dedicated I'd practiced all summer to do this and then again it was like shut down and you're like this was my whole life my whole dream was to be on this basketball team I remember like just sobbing at Mm. school like how embarrassing um but so that was a point for me where I think it got even worse like because it was for a lot of it, for me, like, my eating is all connected to feeling like I don't belong or a lack mm. of belonging.
0: Yeah. And, I,
2: and I learned that later on in life. But um, for me, so I would just go back to food because it felt really good whenever I had those moments of rejection. But I still remember being in high school and running down, like, it's kind of like along a highway. I lived in Calgary, Alberta at the time. And I would run, and I kept trying to run and run and run away, like, all my weight gain. Mm. It was like anyone who would notice any little bit of change in me, I would, like, just latch on to that and be so excited that someone noticed this change in my weight. Um, and, and by the time I was 18, I had just met my husband, who was my boyfriend, and he mm. lived across the country, which is the only reason I live in Ontario right now. <laughs> um, but I did meet him, and you know, I was starting to focus on losing weight. I met him at, at a high weight, um, at my highest weight at the time. And he still loved me and thought I was great. But I started going to the gym and I started walking a lot. Um, I was in college at the time and I sort of walked off 50 pounds. When I moved wow. to Ontario, I was 128 pounds and I was eating at Subway. I was eating takeout still. I I just was eating kind of what was put in front of me and I kept myself busy and I kept walking. Mm -hmm. And so I had essentially walked off 50 pounds and I felt great. But then when I moved here um, to be with him, what ended up happening is like we were hanging out and we would eat out all the time and we'd eat all the good foods. And um, that was sort of our entertainment was, well, what are we going to do? Let's go for dinner
1: or Mm -hmm.
2: whatever. And then, Over time, I had a miscarriage, so Mm. when that happened, gained 10 pounds. Um, We lost 11, gained 10 pounds, because i never stopped, even though I kind of for a moment was distracted myself and was able to focus on the walking and maybe not eating as much, um, that emotional eating underlying core, like, never went away, so when things were hard at work and I felt like I was undervalued or underappreciated, I would just, like, grab food because it would always make me feel good in the moment mm. and so like I had yo-yo dieting for years so what ended yeah. up happening I have two kids um, now and through two pregnancies I ended up being at the really at the core two years ago I was 203 pounds um, at my highest weight so here I'd gone from 185 down to 128 wow. now all the way back up to even to, to oh, above the 200s and
0: for me that was sort of a rock bottom moment. Mm. Wow, that's so I oh my gosh, I can relate to so much of what you're saying. Even mm-hmm. myself, I met my husband at my heaviest weight and gosh, everything you're talking about with emotional eating, so much that I definitely want to get to. But at this part of your journey, um is this when you found the keto lifestyle? Is this when you started diving into yeah.
1: yeah, and yeah, how what, can you tell us my, also how? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry no. I was just say, can you tell us also how you how you found
2: this? Yes. Okay. Yes, of course. So, um, basically, when I hit this moment, I felt like I was really at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to change her. I was very, very close to rock bottom. So you know how you watch The Biggest Loser? I don't know if you've ever watched. <laughs> yeah. Watched it all the time, and they always have those breakdown moments with people where it's like, "But why are you so overweight? Mm. and I always remembered being like I haven't really delved into the reason why I'm doing this to myself Mm. I had not even really thought about the emotional tie to eating all I knew was I was eating to feel good and I didn't understand why and I couldn't stop it Mm. so I ended up going to an emotional eating counselor here in my town Mm. and one of the first things she said to me was I'm not going to tell you how to eat I'm just going to help you with like why you're eating. And I was like, that's great, because that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. But literally, in the first meeting, she was like, you need to stop eating carbs. And I was (laughs) like, hold the front door. You just told me that you weren't going to tell me how to eat, but now you're telling me how to eat. And she said to me, like, society tells you it's okay to eat a sandwich for lunch. It's not okay to eat a sandwich for lunch. Mm. And I was, and, and then she sent me home with homework to count how many carbs were in the foods that I was eating. And I remember... Her saying, you want to be eating, like, around 15 grams of carbs a day, she said. That's it, maximum. And I was like, this is really extreme. So I went home and I started tracking and I got really angry because, like, my yogurt had 25 grams of carbs. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, you're telling me I can't even eat this healthy yogurt that I've been eating or whatever, or the Cheerios that I was eating was already maxing out my daily allotment. So I didn't do the homework because day one made me so angry. And when I went back, I was like, hey, I started um, 21 Day Fix. I was like, it's okay. I've got these canisters. I'm going to weigh my food and I'll work with you and we'll find out why I'm eating bad. And she was like, it's not going to work. And I was like, lady, I just said I'm going to do this and I'm super positive. And she was like, I don't don't see this working for you. And so – she was right. What ended up happening is I lost a little bit of weight, and I was super excited. But meanwhile, this this low-carb chat chatter had kind of gotten into my head, and I had started to do a lot of research on people that were following it. I saw a lot of before and afters. I learned that it was actually called the ketogenic diet. It wasn't just a low-carb diet. And so by the time I had kind of finished working with her, I had done about six weeks' worth of reading and research into this different way of eating that I'd never tried before. And I mean, I had tried a lot of things in the past, um, like Weight Watchers or the 21 Day Fix or following the food guide or calories in, calories out, stuff like that. So that is how I originally came to find, um, keto was through her and a lot of internet research. Mm.
1: Okay. Let's pause for a second and just sort of, can you explain to the listeners who may not have context for what the ketogenic diet is or what ketosis specifically also is. Um, yeah. And you can kind of talk about maybe the difference. and yeah, of course. Um, just, just to give a little context if anyone's not familiar with it.
2: hmm So the ketogenic diet or the keto diet, you might hear it called, is... Um, Let's just explain it this way. When you eat a normal diet, a normal standard American diet, what your body does is it takes carbohydrates, it breaks them down to glucose, and you use that for fuel in your day-to-day activities. That's why you kind of hear people eating a plate of spaghetti before they want to go for a run or Mm. they have a marathon or something. They're fueling up with all these carbs. When you follow a ketogenic diet, you deplete your body of those carbs. So you're limiting the amount of carbohydrates that you consume in a day. And when your body doesn't have carbohydrates to use for energy it has a little bit of a switch and what happens is it starts using fat for fuel and and how it does that is your liver breaks down fat and it produces something called ketones and those ketones get spread throughout your body through your blood and your body starts using ketones for energy um if you have excess ketones in your body, you will they'll go come out through your urine, or you can test your blood to actually test the level of ketones in it. Um, that's why it's called the ketogenic diet. And then when you have ketones in your body um, being excreted by your liver, that is a state of ketosis. So sometimes you'll hear people say like, oh, I'm on a ketosis diet, but they just have it kind of wrong. They, they don't really know enough about it. Right. Um, so your body would be in a state of ketosis when you were following a ketogenic diet um, fairly strictly.
1: Mm. so that's a great explanation yeah
0: (laughs) it's really succinct so are you always in ketosis when you're on the ketogenic diet or no
2: yeah so your goal when you follow keto is to keep your net carbs which is basically total carbs minus fiber And sugar, alcohols, if you follow keto that way, there's kind of a spectrum of us out Mm, there in mm -hmm. in ways that we eat or follow the diet. Um, But most people kept, as long as you keep your carbs under 20, you're going to be in a state of ketosis Mm. because your body just simply won't have enough carbs in it to function um, outside of that state. So Mm you would stay in that state. Now, there are people who will follow a cyclical keto diet. So yeah. once a week or twice a week, they might go off plan and have a meal like have spaghetti or something like that. And what that does, it will take your body out of it until it depletes the carbohydrates again. And then you would then go back into a state of ketosis. Mm. That's not something that I personally do. I haven't had like an off plan meal in almost two years. So wow. I really wow. strictly follow um the protocol of the ketogenic diet and that's not because I want to be perfect it's because I'm actually not sure that one meal wouldn't completely derail
0: Mm. where
2: I've gotten to today which is crazy for for people to think that for me to feel that way but I do feel like you know it's a slippery slope once you start
0: well do you think too it's almost like like cuz food, you know, I come from a family of emotional eaters and so like my mom was in overeaters anonymous when I was growing up. Uh-huh. Um and food can be an addiction. You know, like that slippery slope.
1: Yeah, and you sugar, are I mean about. and sugar is addictive, which is something I think you know, it's interesting. I've never been on the ketogenic diet, but once I started sort of doing my own research on it, I definitely, and just on fats, like good fats in general, I definitely started lowering my carbohydrate intake and upping my fat intake and felt exponentially better. Um, because also like sugar is quite addictive for the body and any, any sort of like, carbohydrate turns into sugar in the body, right? Like for fuel, yeah. as we were talking about before. So when you limit, amount of, when you limit the amount of sugar, you're, whatever form you're sort of ingesting it in, um, you start, I don't know, and you can speak to this, I felt like I sort of cut a little bit of the addiction to yeah. that, that we're so sort of dependent on for even just for energy,
2: right? Mm. Yeah. I think the, the crazy thing in the way that keto works is that when, because you're using fat for fuel, you actually are walking around with a fuel source on your body. Mm-hmm. So because when you eat sugar or carbohydrates, you have those those spikes in your blood sugar. Right. So once you go up, you're happy. It's like when they talk about how you need to have a balanced breakfast, because if all you have is like sugar cereal, then an hour later, you're going to feel yeah, hungry. You're now.
1: crashing. Yeah.
2: When you're not eating those sugars, you're kind of, your your blood sugar is always at this stable level. Mm. And so you don't have those cravings. A lot of people in keto, you would just say, like, I'm not ever hungry. Like, you don't have those sensations where you're like, oh, I need to eat right now. Whereas before, I'd always be like, when's my next meal? Mm. Like, I'm really excited. I can't wait for dinner. But now it's like you could miss it and you wouldn't even notice because – you're using fat for fuel, and it's like, oh, there's some fat over here, and I can just start burning that. It's it's really such an odd thing to have to go through. But yeah, I mean, one gram of sugar in its pure form is one gram of carbohydrates. So mm. it's not that I would completely eliminate sugar from my diet, but you can only have so much. Right. Yeah. You, you limit it. Sugar is not much.
0: Wow. So when you started doing the ketogenic diet, when did you notice your like mind, body start to change when did you notice a difference
2: yeah so I feel like the first few weeks is a little rough it's hard for people and the reason that is is because um when you start when you carbohydrate cells in themselves hold on to water Mm -hmm. so a lot a lot of people experience a huge weight loss like five or six pounds in their first week just because your body is letting go of these water stores Mm -hmm. um and that cellular activity within your body. And what happens, too, is when you're on keto, you're actually supposed to have about 4,500 milligrams of sodium a day. Mm. And that is a lot, but I think, I don't know, the standard diet recommendation is around 1,500 or maybe Mm. a little less. Um, Because when you you don't have those water stores, you don't have anything to hold on to those electrolytes within your Mm. body. So you're constantly having to um, take in potassium, magnesium, sodium, um and, and fluids in order to keep your body, um, the energy within your body flowing, like your electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that your muscles function the way they're supposed to, and you don't start getting twitches and keep to keep everything running smoothly. So a lot of people don't do that off the bat and then they start feeling really, really bad and they call that the keto flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of people... It's like you feel like you're hungover and mm-hmm. you have to get over that hump. But once people do that, um, I would say like by day 30, most people are fully adapted and are really starting to start to see the benefits of following a ketogenic diet. They've probably lost 10 to 15 pounds already mm-hmm. um, from doing that. depends how much you have to lose um, as well. If you only have a little bit to lose, you might have lost three pounds or something.
1: Mm. But So you're at this place now where... You say, on your journey that you share, you've lost a bunch of weight, but mm-hmm. you've also discovered this sort of like lifestyle that works for you and your energy level. So, mm-hmm. what's I guess is, I'm assuming, and you can speak to me if I'm wrong about this, but it's not really about weight loss anymore for you. How how does like How does being in this sort of ketogenic lifestyle work for you on a daily basis now um, as far as your energy levels go? And, you know, you talk about not not wanting to extend um, the amount of, like, carbohydrates you usually track. Right. Is that because for the last two years you've felt so good? Sort of, like, what is the motivation to keep yeah. this now that weight loss isn't really.
2: Yeah. I think I was it. one of those people that was like, thought it was crazy that it only like I found keto at 32 and mm-hmm. I wish I would have found it 10 years ago. Mm. Um, it was weird to me that I'd never even heard about it. I've lost 60 pounds um, for the people that are listening and don't sort of know that side. So in the past two years I actually lost 60 pounds in one year. And then I started on a fitness journey, so I've been eating more calories, not trying to lose any additional weight um, this past year. Um, But what's ended up happening is I've really grown to love the lifestyle. I love the food. It's super flavorful, like, because when you're eating high fat, I mean, that means you can eat bacon and (laughs) avocados and, um, you know, you eat the chicken skin or you can eat chicken wings and that's part of your diet. And What I've learned is that I really love this way of eating. Mm -hmm. I didn't really ever care for rice or pasta or quinoa or those kind of carby items before. And so it was always just like what I thought I had to eat because, you know, that's everyone tells you, you need to have these whole grains in your diet and you need to be a certain way. Well, I'd rather just eat like a high fat salad or the protein and some veg with it instead of and skip the rice and skip that whole process um, my husband actually follows the lifestyle as well. He's lost a bunch of weight himself, and it it really is now the way that I prefer to live. The way that I was living before was like, when can I get my next fix of sugar? Mm. Um, I've kind of found food freedom in this, mm. and it, it's really weird because it is a very restrictive way of eating. Mm. You know, When you think about all the fruits you can't eat, all the vegetables you can't eat, Um, it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I think my mindset from the get go was always like, look at everything I can eat. Mm. It wasn't so much a restrictive mindset. Like you think of people that live around the world and all they have to eat is rice and like broth and they don't really have the conveniences that we do in North America. I feel like, are you kidding me? This is restrictive. This is not restrictive. There are so many delicious, Meals that I can eat, and I can eat out very easily and convert it for my lifestyle. Um, socially, we kind of figured that out. So uh, we just realized that we can eat this high-fat way, the food tastes really good, um, and we're able to maintain healthy weights while doing it. So it's just our preferred way of eating now.
1: Yeah. I relate to that as far as the food freedom goes. I did um, Whole30 in the month of August, and... Yeah. It's, you know, it's sort of in line with like paleo, generally speaking. But so um, also massive reduction in carbohydrates and sugar, no refined sugar, but also just like really a focus on whole foods, right? Yes. Um, And it was probably, looking at it going in, the most restrictive I've ever been with my diet, but I was so surprised to find the result feeling total freedom in that within that and so I can can sort of relate even though there's restrictions it really you start to like want you want something different you want to feel your body differently and within within the context of that Mm. there's so much freedom because you're not you're not bound to food in this emotional way um which I just thought was like was really surprising side effect for me so I, I kind of Can relate to that feeling Hmm. of yeah
2: um, of like well you always you hear too like or through like programs like Weight Watchers and stuff where it's like well you can eat the pizza you can eat this for some of us we just can't do that Mm -hmm. like for me there is there really isn't a middle line where you can eat the birthday cake but not eat the whole birthday cake or you know like it doesn't just stop with a one bowl of chips it ends up being the entire bag (laughs) and I just could not control myself around the sugar. And so for me, it's been so much more freeing because I am able to say, like, that's enough. I don't need any more. I'm full because the foods that I'm eating are satiating to me. And I don't feel like I'm just constantly this empty pit that can't be filled. Or, you know, even the emotional eating aspect of it. So people will say, well, now that you're keto, like, don't you still emotionally eat? And don't you have those issues? And, like, I definitely still have an emotional tie to food. I just did a 40-hour fast the other day, because fasting is also very beneficial for you, but it goes really well with keto, because you are burning fat, so you have those stores that your body's used to burning for energy, um, so maybe it's not as painstaking for someone who follows a standard North American diet um, to do a fast, but um, I still you feel like you have those moments where you're like, oh, I want to eat just because it's entertainment, or just because mm-hmm. it would make me feel good right now, I yeah. still have that on keto, but... The benefit is is that I don't have the um the also the biological effects right. from the carbs being like, no, your blood sugar just dropped, you better get it back up. So you're not fighting against yourself all day, mentally. Yeah, like, and that that's huge. To
0: sugar. I mean, and
1: think about it this way. If someone becomes sober from alcohol because they have a a problem with what happens to them biologically, as well as there's obviously always an emotional aspect with of addiction of any kind, but also there's something like when it's, um, some sort of substance, whether it's that you like ingest, there is biological response yeah. to it and some, and there is such a thing as bio-individuality. So some people do have, you know, a physical, a physiological thing that happens when they whether it be eat sugar, you're not going to say to someone who's like, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, just have a half a glass of wine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just have a half a, half a thing of birthday cake because it's like, some people can have a half a slice of birthday cake but and some, some people, people can't. can't. And you need to know what works for you. And I think we need to like respect that. But people also don't so like from a social point of view, we don't have that thought about these food products which oftentimes aren't even food right yeah. they're just like
0: chemicals. unless you've gone through it i mean i i yeah like there's certain i'm not on any one specific plan i also similarly feel better when i'm doing a higher fat lower carb diet it just gives me more energy it makes me feel a lot better but i know i can't have certain food in my house like i can't i just can't do it because if i get to an emotional Paying, or if something triggers me and there is this bag of chips or, uh, you know, I love to bake, but I know I have to get rid of most of the things I bake right after I bake it because if it's there and I'm emotionally triggered, I don't have the self-control. And it's gotten better, I will say, for me as I've, you know, like my spiritual wellness and slowing down and actually through this podcast and really just learning about myself, the more quiet I am, I've learned when I feel that emotional trigger come up and be like, I want to go eat something, even though I'm not physically hungry, I'm able, you know, in the five years since I've lost, you know, 45, 50 pounds to be like, why do I want to eat right now? And that's taken a really long time for me. So, Yes, it's not as bad as it once was. It's still there. But it's taken a lot of work to get to the point where when I'm like, why do I want to eat this whole bag of chips right now? Oh, I don't feel loved. I don't feel nurtured. I feel X, Y, Z, right? And then I'm able to deal with that emotion or redirect my attention instead of eat the whole bag of chips. But it's very, and it's hard because if you don't understand emotional eating, it is really easy to be like why can't you just do this or why can't you just do that? So it's, it's an interesting part. I
2: think it's hard too, because it's, it is, it is a drug for so many people, food for so many people. But it's, and, and there's a lot of people that fill voids in their life with actual drugs, (laughs) alcohol and those types of, if someone's a drug addict or someone's an alcoholic, there's respect towards that. And it's like, no, keep that away from him. Or you can't, bring the beer out because Jack's coming over and you know he has a problem with that. Mm -hmm. There is nothing like that when it comes to food. With food, there's more, there's everyone else wants you to join their pity party of eating your face off so you feel like you want to pass out. And, you know, it's like, you don't love me if you don't eat my food. This is a source of love. This is how I'm showing you that I love you. And if you won't accept that or you won't eat that, then that's offensive to me. So food is one of those things where in society everyone has to eat
0: Mm -hmm. um,
2: but everyone doesn't have to eat the same way yeah and a lot of us do have an addiction to it and there's a lot of like I even in my life through following the ketogenic diet there's been a lot of like disrespect Mm. for the way that we choose to live our lives there's been a lot of supportive people but there's also been a lot of people who who are uneducated and don't understand it or they don't understand why we have to put the limits on it that we do. Or they'll say, you know, it's just one day, just go off plan. It's not a big deal, but it actually is a big deal because just like an alcoholic having one drink for me, one cheat meal could mean a total like roll down the hill of just filing back on the weight that I already lost and I -hmm. I don't want to go back there. And I think that's why I've kind of like really latched on to keto the way that I have and I'm very passionate about it because – it has allowed me to manage something that i wasn't able to manage before
0: that's so beautiful i i love i think that's so incredible and encouraging and i'm sure too like um how has the response been to from like family or friends or as a mom with kids and um you know i know the holidays are coming up right so like how how is your relationship with food in regards to all of these other aspects, like you're mentioning, is it, does it still just allow you the control because you're in this ketogenic plan or, you know, how, just how, how do, how do you manage that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So often in social situations, we bring stuff. So, mm we know there's at least something that we can eat. Again, at the end of the day, if there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can eat on the menu or what's being offered, then we can, like, hold off. It's not going to kill us not to eat that one meal in that moment. And then we'll just eat afterwards. Um, But generally, people know, especially now, because I'm very well-known, like, for doing keto, even, like, locally in my town and and stuff. It's just people know that Joanna's the keto person, and so (laughs) they're not going to try to serve me something that isn't keto like yeah. any of my friends at this point they all understand and they respect the fact that we're not going off plan for anybody or for any reason yeah and so we used to be in a supper club and so I remember going to one supper club and we brought salads like we just brought our own food and I said we're just starting out I don't want to hassle you but we're bringing our own food but they had made a dip that was like keto friendly, and then they chopped up celery and put like Joanna's celery, <laughs> in a celery bowl because they were being supportive. So wonderful. And, um, but no, I think we if we have street parties too every year, I like ask people what's in the food um, because I just simply am not going to eat it if it's not something that works within in my diet. Another thing too, like if I was to go carb crazy, I would feel like crap the next of day. Right. So it's not something that gets rewarded in terms of how your body feels once you go off limb.
1: Yeah. And that's such a motivator. It's like when you start to realize what makes you feel good, Mm -hmm. you want to act from that place. Like I've noticed even Eric and I have talked a lot about even our own sort of relationship with alcohol and, um, having both tried I mean, we both really enjoy it, if we're speaking honestly. But we've also um, given it up for chunks of this year, at different times, both of us. And it's such an interesting experience because... You feel so good. You feel so much better. And it's not that, like, you know, I've come back to it and, like, allow myself once in a while to have some. But it's... I have such a different relationship now because of, like, the way... I feel even after like a couple glasses of wine, right? The yeah. next day. Um, and that's more of a motivator for me than like, oh, I want to like let loose and have a glass of wine, but there's also that that thought of like, oh,
0: well what do I have to do tomorrow morning? And what do I, like what do I want? How do I want to feel? feel? Yeah. You know, something I also want to touch on with you is you 60 pounds is is a very significant amount of weight. So, and especially in just a year, you know, it's, it's yeah. a very fast amount of time to lose it. How is your relationship with your body? And, you know, even something I struggle with is body dysmorphia. Um, is that something that you struggle with? How do you relate at all? Or do you have any advice for those moments?
2: Yeah. So when you do lose a lot of weight, you you don't really, it doesn't really register in your brain right away, I feel. Um, You definitely feel like, oh, I need to grab like the size medium. And it's like, no, you're an extra small. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you have those times when you go clothes shopping, and then the girl is having to bring back like the size down and then the size down. And you're like, whoa, like I've never been a size 26 jeans in my life. And but these are fitting me. I'm kind of going through the opposite right now, though, because. I have, I lost a bunch of weight and I was quite thin and now I've been working on my fitness so then building my muscle. Mm. And while my body weight hasn't changed, my jeans are starting to feel tight again. Mm. And even though I know I haven't gained any weight, I feel like it's definitely like that my booty is just growing. (laughs) I have to like, then I have to get used to that because now in my mind I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go up a size. Like this Mm. is not good because especially I have a very public, weight loss journey I share kind of everything with everyone but now it's like oh this clo- my clothes aren't feeling comfortable at this smaller size anymore right and it's but it's not because I'm any less healthy or because I'm getting fat it's because I'm getting muscular and so you're constantly having to sort of battle that i mean i look in the mirror i've got a lot of stretch marks i have a lot of like loose skin um, not, not a lot of loose skin. I think that's a, I was only 200 pounds, but I have loose skin like on my arms and my stomach, but that's mostly from pregnancy on my legs. And you really got to look in the mirror and be like, ah, well, there's only one of me. This is Mm -hmm. my body. I'm not going to be able to ever remove the stretch marks. And so you have to work through like, that's the, I've had the stretch marks since I gained all that weight back when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I got new ones when I was pregnancy pregnant. (laughs) It's just my, my skin is just very sensitive. Right. And so there's nothing I could have done. Even when it comes to my daughter, it's like, God, I just hope I can prevent this. Like, I'm like, Oh, I hope this doesn't happen to her where she has to spend like years. Like I did feeling self-conscious about Mm. stretch marks on my arms, even on my wedding day. It was like, I got a strapless dress and it was like, I hope people don't look at my arms, like my own mm-hmm. family, like the, whole, the nine guests at my wedding, <laughs> you know, that I'm like, oh, I hope they don't see this because I was so embarrassed yeah. about, about something I had zero control over. And really, I, what I've noticed from when I share pictures of my less than perfect body is that so many people are so grateful to see someone representing the way that they look. Yeah. And that they don't have to feel bad their entire lives because they don't look like the size zero model that's been airbrushed on every magazine that they're looking at.
1: Yeah. 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 We just had a conversation about that in a previous episode um, that we released. And, and it's true. And I think there's sort of like, we talk about, you know, courageous wellness is the name of our podcast. Yeah. And it's like, there's a real courage in sharing your story because of like, what it can do for other people and um I think that's really commendable and I think it's it's empowering and it helps other people feel brave enough to share theirs and not hold themselves to a standard of of sort of like physical like you're saying physical beauty or whatever you want to call that that's not actually real it's only created by like Photoshop. It doesn't oh, actually it's exist.
2: It's disgusting.
1: Even if do. you have the most, whatever, stereotypical, stereotypical. model, right? Body. Even that what you're seeing of hers is not real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't exist in nature. And like, and just
0: to kind of remind all of us of that, you know, yeah. is really important. Well, beauty I is agree. just not one size fits all at all. No. Um So just um to kind of wrap up as as someone who has gone through this journey is there any books or any any anything that you would recommend for people that inspired you when you first started or anything that you read that really touched your heart that you would want to recommend and share that was inspiring to you
2: oh my goodness <laughs> it's hard for me because in terms of the weight loss journey, there def- there wasn't really a lot of inspiration that came from books. For mm. me, it was all found online on Instagram yeah. from other women that were also following the same journey and just really trying to. What I what I personally found is in my own life, there was no one that wanted to hear about my weight loss journey. Mm. My friends were sicking sick of hearing about weight loss; they didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, And the way that the internet has changed that for me and the fact that I was able to go on, search hashtag keto and see all of these like results from people, from where they started, or even the people starting out. Like when I started out, I didn't have these results. I was really rock bottom, really sad, um, really depressed at the state of my body. And I stood there, I recorded a video and I created a name, Keto in Canada, and I put it up there and... All to say, like, I'm here, I'm at the bottom, but I'm going to be somewhere else. And I'm ready to commit and to promise to myself, mm-hmm. and I will share that journey with you. And when you can do that, and when you can share your journey very honestly and authentic, authentically, um, really sharing your truth along the way, it is amazing the other people that will come out of the woodwork to support you. Yeah. And to say, like, no one in my life cares if I hit my watermark for that day. Like, oh, I drank all my water today. And my husband's like, do you need me to clap for you? Or what do you want me to do? But there's women online who are like, girl, I got my water in. And people are giving you high fives. And they're liking your picture. And you tend to feel that support that you might be missing. And for me, as I said before, the emotional eating was hard for me because it was always that lack of belonging. And while I feel like the internet sort of gives you a false feeling of belonging sometimes, like likes and followers don't really mean that much. Mm -hmm, Um, When you're in the midst of trying to change your life, someone to notice, Oh my God, I see a difference between those two, those two pictures or good on you for sticking with this for 30 days. It's the small, tiny encouraging words for me personally, as like a words of affirmation mm-hmm. person, if we're talking love languages, yeah. that that is what really carried me through. And so I would say for anyone, that is like free support that's always there for you if you're willing to share your journey. And while I started to share my journey with zero people, I didn't have any friends or followers or anything on there. Um, and I was actually more embarrassed when real life people found me on there. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like... <laughs> I'm only 30 days in and I posted all these like embarrassing pictures of like really how bad my life and my weight has gotten, you know, for myself. Um, But at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, but I'm being honest and truthful with myself. And that's what's most important. And two years later, when you've lost the weight and you're working out and you're inspiring people every single day, it doesn't matter if it's one person or like 100,000 people that you're inspiring. It's like, one person could take something from your journey and start changing their lives, and that impact alone can make you feel really fantastic about yourself. So,
1: That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And, yeah, thank you. And, you know, it's, it's so that ripple effect that you've just shared, you know, going from nobody to inspiring over 100,000 people, even if you inspire one of those 100,000 people the ripple that they could have and like the confidence of sharing their own j- journey could inspire another hundred thousand people. And that's sort of how, that's how so the community grows. And so thank you for coming on and sharing with us today. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank and you. in case anybody listening does not already follow you, where can they find you on the internet and on Instagram?
2: Yeah. On Instagram, my username is at so keto in Canada. So K E T O in Canada. And I also have a website with all my other social links. I'm on YouTube, Facebook. Um, It's IamKetoInCanada.com.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, Joanna. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week.
0: Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.